Well, if you have your Bibles, we're in 2 Peter 2.19. 2 Peter 2.19. We're overcoming addictions. It's what we want to talk about today. The verse says, they are slaves of destructive habits. For a man is a slave of anything that has conquered him. America seems to be hooked on the idea of having addictions. You can be addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to food, to sex, to shopping. Uh, You can be addicted to work, as I am, or video games. Uh, There are millions, they say, millions and millions of people that are addicted to pornography on the web. There's a magazine called Lifeline America that deals with addictions. It says that there are over 200 separate uh, things that people in America are addicted to. How do you deal with addictions? I hear on TV, and I Googled it, there's over 100 million people in America that are way overweight. Uh, That's one of the major addictions in our society. I also Googled alcoholism in America, and it said that one family in three, one in three, has serious problems with alcoholic issues. Now, these statistics are frightening for us. Uh, This morning, I want us to look at what the Bible says about breaking free from a bad habit, from an addiction. Everybody has a bad habit. Some have a lot of bad habits. I want to give you nine biblical steps to breaking whatever your habit uh, might be. Step one, begin today. Start right now, not tomorrow, not next week. Start right now. Have you noticed that more people are going to go on a diet tomorrow uh, than today. Have you noticed that? Proverbs 27.1 says, never boast about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. The writer is saying, stop procrastinating. Stop postponing. The person who really wants to change their life can find a way. The person who doesn't uh, finds an excuse and delays. Step two, refuse to blame others. If you want to break uh, a bad habit, you need to refuse to blame it on other people. This problem is as old as Adam and Eve. Adam sinned. He took it like a man. He blamed it on Eve. (laughs) No one will ever get better until they accept personal responsibility. We've got to do that. I must admit, it is my problem. You know, it's not somebody else's problem. It's my problem. Proverbs 19.3 says, A man's own folly, own folly, ruins his life. Who are you blaming for your addictions? Are you blaming your parents, your husband, your wife? your kids, your boss, our society, the television, you know, who are you blaming? Well, 
In order to break a bad habit, you must quit excusing yourself and stop accusing others. Step three, examine my life. I need to take a personal inventory. I need to do an internal audit. That's what we all need to do, an internal audit. I ask myself, how long have I had this problem? That's that's the way to get a handle on it to begin with. What are my frustrations related to this issue? Lamentations 3.40 says, Let us examine our ways and test them and return to the Lord. You see, to change, I must stop pretending. I must come face to face with my own faults. Hiding a hurt only intensifies it. Denial prevents healing. I ask Christ to take over my life, uh, and that's certainly what he wants to do. That's step four. Just turn it over to the Lord. He's ready to help. He wants to help. You need a power greater than yourself to help you change. You cannot change in your own power. Romans 6, 12 says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Every day you are controlled by something. It might be something different tomorrow than it was today. Sometimes we're controlled by other people. Sometimes we're controlled by our schedule. Sometimes it's drugs or alcohol or food. Freedom takes place when you say, I'm not going to let those things control me anymore. I'm not going to let them do it. I'm going to let God Almighty take hold of my life and help me to take the right steps along the way. Our problem comes because we only want to give God our problems. That's what we want to give him, our problems. If we want God to help us, with our problems, we need to give God every area of our life, every area. When we do that, it produces incredible power within us to change. You may ask, well then, if that's so obvious, why doesn't everybody do it? Well, because people are afraid that they're going to be turned into fanatics. That's why, that's the reason. If I give God every area of my life, then I'll lose all my fun, I'll lose all my freedom, and I will become a fanatic. That's what people think. The good news is that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. That you'd have a lot of fun, a lot of freedom. He doesn't keep you from those things. He enhances those things in your life. The Bible says that God is for you. He's not against you. He's not trying to pull you back. 
He's trying to help you forward. Uh, He gives you hope and a future. Step five, keep away from the temptations. Now, this is just plain common sense. I've I've told this before, but uh, there's a bar in Plant City. And every year, every single year, there's about five people get murdered in that bar. Every year. And, uh, you know, I, I always think to myself, and pe- people keep going there. Yes, it's really the main place in Plant City where people get murdered. And uh, people keep going there. Big crowd there, I understand. I don't know. Well, Friday night, Saturday night, it's full. People getting killed. You know, it's just crazy. If you don't want to get stung by the bees, stay away from the bees. Likewise, you need to avoid the situation where you are tempted. Romans 13, 14 says, don't give chances to the flesh to sin. Paul is telling us not to put ourselves in tempting situations. If you have a problem with alcohol, then you don't stock a bar in your house. If you have a problem with lust, You don't frequent uh, those newsstands that stock all those magazines that will lead you in the wrong direction. If it's food, then you don't stock your uh, cupboard full of junk food. You don't do that. Stay away from the very things that cause you the problems that you have in your life. The key to overcoming temptation is to decide in advance. Young people, I always uh, give this message, uh, you don't want to wait until you're in the back seat of a car that's parked somewhere with your date, and then you decide what you're going to (laughs) do. You decide in advance that you're not going to put that kind of pressure on your life. You have to do it in advance. I always tell young people that you don't want to get involved sexually before you get married. Okay, what do you do? Well, you plan, you plan what you're going to do. You either go by your plans or by your glands. It's uh, one or the other. Now, this might mean that you need to choose some new friends. You know, if you've uh, got some friends that are bringing you down, you need to change friends. You need to move away from those people. They're hurting you. Maybe you need to change jobs. Some people work in a place where everybody is pulling them down. You've got to get away from that. The Bible says, flee temptation. Our problem is that when we flee temptation... We leave a forwarding address. I'll be right down the street if you'd like to call me anytime. That's basically what we do. You must keep away from it, and you must burn some bridges so that that won't uh, be an attachment to your life. Step six, focus on something better. Here comes the rain. The weatherman is right four hours later. (laughs) 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. The Bible says, now the Bible says, that the battle is fought in your mind. Now I want you to, to track with me here. Whatever captures our attention captures us. Have you ever noticed some waitresses are required to show you their dessert tray? You have no intention whatsoever of eating that double fudge pie. And then they bring it out and they show it to you. And you say, man, that looks good. That looks so good. And you begin to think, uh, ooh, looks good. And then the person next to you says, why don't we split a piece of that? And you say, split? No way, I want one all my own. Your mind has succumbed to the temptation, and of course your hips pay the price. Whatever gets your attention gets you, gets you. The key to resisting temptation is not to resist it. You simply refocus your attention. You don't say, no, 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 I don't want that. When every ounce of your body is saying, I do want that, I do want that. You don't say, I don't want to give in to this temptation when every hormone of your body is saying yes I want that temptation you don't resist the temptation you'll lose if you're going about it that way you'll lose what you need to do is refocus your attention you mentally change channels I'm saying that when temptation calls you on the phone, you hang up. The only way that you're going to have victory over temptation in your life is to refocus your attention on something else. Look to something else. Step seven, restore broken relationships. The fact is, anything that's out of control in your life is affecting somebody else. Might be your husband, might be your wife, might be your kids, might be your parents, your brothers, sisters, it's somebody. If your life is out of focus, if your life is out of control, then it's causing those that are close to you to have some major, major problems. When we have addictions, we manipulate other people to fulfill the addictions that we have. We end up causing grief to others and guilt to ourselves. So you need to make those things right. You need to go to those people that you have heard and restore your relationship with them. Romans 12, 18 says, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. What do you do? Well, you make a list of the people that your habit 
has harmed. You go to those people and you make restitution with them to try to make things right. I admit that's a very, very hard step to take. To go back and admit to people that your problem caused them a problem. Step eight, enlist a support group. Why? Because we all need reinforcement. We need that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Now that makes sense. That really makes sense. Those two verses are good reasons for you to be involved in a Bible study program. I tell people the way that you can enjoy and benefit from our church the most is to be involved in our small groups. We minister through our Bible study classes at 9 o'clock in the morning. Many of you are involved in those classes. It's impossible for our staff to give all of the personal attention that everybody needs. That's just not possible. Some people need a whole lot of attention. And, you know, we have 400 members, so, I mean, two people can't do that. So, you know, we need to have a support group. That's really Important, a Bible study class, support group. We have care groups in our church. In our classes, we have divided up our folks into smaller groups, and those groups are checking on each other and helping each other and standing with each other, praying for each other, lifting each other up. That's very, very important. We start out the year with the best of intentions. Two weeks later, We are back into some of the same old habits. Why is that? Because there is a cycle. A cycle. You start off in humility. God, I am not making it. I need your help. God gives us the power to change. He gives it to us. God gives us grace to be humble. He gives us the power to make it. But after about six months... We begin to think, you know, I'm making it. I have been dry for six months. I'm making it. You you get full of pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 that pride leads to a fall. So you fall again. And then in humility you say, God, I'm not making it. With your act of humility, you get God's power. God's power. If you lived in that humility the year around, you would stay in that power. But you get full of pride again. And the moment you think you have whatever addiction it is licked, then you're in dangerous water again. Humility is so important. Muhammad Ali was on an airplane a few years ago and the stewardess came up to him and said, 
uh, would you please fashion your seatbelt? Muhammad Ali said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And the stewardess said, Superman doesn't need an airplane. Now, how do, you, how do you break that cycle? Well, you need support. You need friends who will pray for you, who will care for you, who will keep track of you. These people are there to cheer you up, to pick you up, to help you. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. Now, it says we've got to confess our sins to each other. Well, that's hard to do. Should we just get out our knives and cut that verse out of the Bible? That's a hard verse. You know, you might not like that verse. Say, so, well, let's, let's accidentally burn that verse where it's not there anymore. Um, well, really, that verse is there for a reason. The key to the verse is the last part. It says that you may be healed. That's the key, that you may be healed. I want to be healed, don't you? Uh, well, how, how are you healed? By confessing to God, by confessing to each other, by praying to God, and Praying for each other. That's the key. That's the price for freedom. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I have this habit. And I want to break it, but I don't want anybody to know that I have it. And I say to you, good luck. Uh, But you can't do it on your own. And if you don't want anybody to know about it, uh, you don't want anybody to know that you're a normal human being with normal problems, normal weaknesses. People want to think that they're perfect. They want everybody else to think that they're perfect. That is the very attitude that will keep you in bondage. It is essential that you learn to live an honest life with God, with yourself, and with others. This is the purpose of the church. This is our purpose, to be a support group where we encourage each other and lift each other up. There's no such thing as a long, lone ranger Christian. Uh, You need to be in a small group where people can pray for you, care for you, encourage you. If you do, you will realize that the majority of us are going through some of the same things. Uh, I had my first gallbladder problem my whole life. Wednesday night, you know what I did? I went around to all the tables back there at Wednesday night prayer meeting. I asked everybody, have you ever had gallbladder trouble? I wanted to get uh, some help uh, from people. So I was asking everybody for their advice and whatnot. Well, you know... There's somebody in this room that's been through what you're fighting. And they've gone through it. And they're successfully on the other side. And they can help you. They know just what to say to you that would be the very answer that you need for the issue that you're facing. 
I've been there, the person says. Let me give you some encouragement to hang in there, the other person says. You need encouragement that will give you the motivation to break out of the cycle of starting and stopping, starting, stopping. I know some of you are saying, well, I'm going to quit, but I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm quitting. That's a big mistake on your part. You are providing an escape hatch. No one will know that you failed. We need to be held accountable. And you've got to have a support group to do that. Step nine, extend ourselves to each other. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, Christ helps us in all our troubles so that we are able to help others in trouble using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. God allows us to go through some things. Then he helps us through those problems so we can, in turn, help other people with the same comfort that we have been given. Listen, God wants to take the greatest weaknesses in your life. He wants to help you through this problem and then give you the ministry of helping other people with the problem that you just had and that you just conquered in your life. My prayer is that some of you are going to start putting practice to these nine steps. After God has helped you break the habit, this addiction, you will then work through the ministry of this church to help others. There is nothing more fulfilling than knowing that God is using you, you, to help other people. If you've been divorced, maybe you need to be in a divorce recovery group. If you've been witted, maybe you need to be in a group uh, where you meet together and talk about the issues in your life and go through the grief process with them, find the help that you need. God wants to take your hang-ups, your hurts, your habits, your weaknesses, and turn them around and use you to help other people in those exact situations. This next verse is my dream for our church. If a person is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. But watch yourself. You also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in that way you fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. When you take these nine steps, you, you look to God and you realize that this is his promise, that he'll work with you and through you, through all of these issues. Amen. It all starts by making Jesus the master of your life. A self-made man worships his maker. The truth is you need something bigger than yourself in order to Move through the problems that you are causing yourself. The Bible says that you're going to serve somebody. I hope and pray it'll be the Lord Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you're here in the house, you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you opportunity to do that. We want you to have a moment when it will change the total direction of your life and you will become a child of God. 
You'll become a part of the family of faith. You do that by saying, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I want to place my faith and my trust in Jesus as my Savior. There are some in the house today that have been visiting with us for a period of time. We'd love to have you come and join with us. Uh, We don't brand everybody that joins. We don't uh, hurt you in any way. It doesn't hurt at all. We'd love to have you come and and join with us and serve with us and, and be a part of the ministry team. I hope and pray that you'll do that today. I'm going to be standing right down here at the front. Hope that you'll just slip out and come forward and take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand as we sing together.